And then you get to midlife. And in midlife, all these other things start happening, like the possibility of divorce, which is loss and abandonment. And with divorce comes all kinds of financial insecurity. There may be the loss of job, which certainly would create financial insecurity. Midlife is certainly when children are going to start leaving the house. Um, So it's at that point in life that you've got a lot of these day-to-day upsets actually starting to occur. This week, a new longitudinal study has linked midlife stress to Alzheimer's disease, particularly for women. So why is that? Dr. Karen Sherman joins us to explain the potential reasons. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm going to keep this short. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. You should know that we have a website, hitchmag.com, with thousands of articles, our complete podcast archive with over 500 episodes, a free weekly newsletter, and more. If you like this podcast, please leave a rating or review to help encourage others to join. And without further ado, enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again by the lovely, the original, the brilliant, Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hi, Steve. Hello. Uh, Karen is a practicing psychologist and relationship and lifestyle issues for over 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life, and she is also the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. Um, Today, we are going to talk about uh, Alzheimer's and dementia, and not a fun subject, but something that's very interesting, particularly when you look at how it differs uh, based on gender. And so the big overarching topic is stress today, dementia tomorrow. Um, And this comes from a new longitudinal study that links midlife stress to Alzheimer's. And as I just alluded to, it impacts, or it seems to impact at least, women much more than men. So my first question to you, Karen, is why women? And before you answer that, I want to let the listeners know that according to the research, one in six women over the age of 60 compared to just one in 11 men will eventually be diagnosed with dementia, which are scary numbers on both sides of it, but that's a whole different issue. Right. Um, Okay. So, you know, I... What the study talks about is that they looked at people at various points in their life, and they looked at the kind of incidents. Um, so whether there was a like major trauma, yeah. uh, like if they had been raped or if they had been assaulted, as opposed to things like ongoing stress, like divorce or children leaving the house or things like that. And what they basically found was that it was not a major trauma, but rather the ongoing stress. Um, and I felt I needed to explain that in order for me to answer the question. Well, okay. So I'm going to jump in really quick. Uh, mm-hmm. So they did also include some life 
experiences, mm-hmm. so life stresses. So divorce actually was one of them. Yes. Um, um, birth of a child was one job. Yes. loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that's what I'm saying. Okay. So those are life experiences that are stressful as opposed to a singular traumatic event like being raped or being assaulted. Okay. And they found that the women who had experienced more of the um, ongoing stressors like the divorce or uh, loss of a job um, or, you know, their children leaving, you know, to college, empty nesters or whatever, that those were the ones who were more likely to suffer from the Alzheimer's than the ones who had experienced a traumatic event. Right. And, and okay. conversely, I wanted to throw in there, um, obviously women are in the military and all that stuff, but combat was one that was weighed probably heavier on the men's side because that was one of the things that they asked about. Okay. All right. So we know biologically that men and women process material differently. First of all, a woman's hippocampus, which is the seat of memory, is much larger than a man's. Now, you know, you can take this as a joke or this is true, but that's part of the reason that women will hold on to arguments longer and will remember the details of it, and a man doesn't, because again, she's got more blood flow going into her hippocampus, and she will remember things from 10 years, 15 years, 20 years ago, whereas a man doesn't. But that being said, it's the hippocampus that's being impacted in dementia slash Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's being one form of dementia. But the other piece of it is that men tend to compartmentalize. So when something happens, they can let it go, Mm -hmm. whereas women don't. And when there is stress, women are not letting it go. It's building up and stress has a cumulative effect. And every time there's stress in the body, there is a release of certain chemicals to deal with the stress. And if you have a stressful event and then it stops, then those chemicals diminish. But if there's ongoing stress, those chemicals build up and that's what's bad for the brain. Can I ask, maybe it's a stupid question, but I'm going to ask it. Um, because I feel like we think of stress as a bad thing and we think about our response to stress as a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Is there mm-hmm. is there any benefit for those chemicals to get dumped into our body that the way that they are? Okay, so it's not a stupid question. And some stress is good because it uh, enervates us, it activates us. Um, and there are times that it's really helpful because if you're in a dangerous situation, it allows us to get out of the situation. That's what fight flight is about. The other thing I want to point out based on what you just said is everybody tends to think that stress is the result of negative events. Stress can also be the result of positive events. So if you have um, the birth of a new child or if you're planning a wedding, those are positive events, but they're still very stressful. So again, I think women are more sensitive to stressful situations or hold on to it longer. And that's why they're 
are more likely to have those chemicals running around in their body for a long time. Again, short term, they're great. They help you get through situations. But in the long term, a buildup of them is going to have a negative effect on the brain. And since women hold on to it more than that's most likely why they are being um, affected more. I, I think of um, how we are outpacing our evolution part of it. So mm-hmm. to your point, fight, flight, stress mm-hmm. helps keep you alive. <laughs> yeah. When you hear the rustling in the bushes, uh, yes. you, you think there might be a lion ready to pounce on you. And right. so you, you spring into action. Um, mm-hmm. But we now have been able to evolve our society in a way that we don't face those same stresses, but our body doesn't know how to respond in the same way of a lion killing us versus a really <laughs> a really stressful wedding that we're planning for, like the chemical dump. And, right, we, right, right, and right. we now live longer so that, you know, back in the day, like you could only outrun the lion if you ever could for so long before you died mm-hmm. of some terrible way mm-hmm. it went. Yeah. Like a lot of people weren't living to 80 years old. And now the, the, the residual effects of that stress that were there to keep us alive are now coming back to haunt us a little bit. Yes. Very interesting point. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So I'm actually going to move past the next question that I had for you. Cause I feel like we've kind of already answered it. Mm-hmm. Um, so is there a, something particular about midlife stress that seems to be a theme in this study in particular? Well, I think in midlife, there are lots of stressors that we don't find, you know, okay, so so we've separated out the traumatic events, and those trauma events, by the way, can, call, can cause PTSD, post-traumatic stress events, mm-hmm. uh, um, disorders rather. But if we're talking about these ongoing stressful day-to-day events, a lot of them are going to happen in midlife. So let's look at life. So you've got your growing up years mm-hmm. and then in your twenties, and it's a little bit later in life now, but in your twenties, you're making a career for yourself and you're finding a partner and that's still a pretty much a happy time. Um, and then in your thirties, you're building your family and um, you know you're establishing your career, and then you get to midlife, and in midlife, all these other things start happening, like the possibility of divorce, which is loss and abandonment, and with divorce comes all kinds of financial insecurity. There may be the loss of job, which certainly would create financial insecurity. Midlife is certainly when children are going to start leaving the house. Um, so it's at that point in life that you've got a lot of these day-to-day, um, upsets actually starting to occur. Mm -hmm. I was, yeah, I was just going to add that we, one of the things that I think is interesting is that we know that the brain isn't fully developed until your mid twenties and part of the brain that's not fully developed is the consequences (laughs) part of the brain. And so how it it would be really difficult to feel a lot of stress on things that normally you would feel stressed about in your midlife Mm -hmm. when when your brain, you're not even aware, you're not even aware of the stress. So it would totally make sense that it's not hitting you in your twenties. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm, again, I'm going to shake up some more questions here. Um, is so 
this seems to impact women more than men. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think you've done a great job explaining why that is. Um, is there a way that men can help women so that they aren't carrying around this stress as much? You know, I'm going to be really glib here. I'm going to be, (laughs) I'm going to make a quick statement and then I'm going to be a little bit more serious. So we've all heard the expression that a happy wife is a happy life, right? So if men would take more care to make their wives happy, then, you know, that would really be a good thing. And in the end, it would really be benefiting him because to have to take care of a Alzheimer's patient is really quite challenging and um, can actually um, make him very sick. You know, I was thinking that one of the major complaints consistently that I hear from the women of the couples I work with is that they don't feel validated. They don't feel understood. They don't feel heard. And men have a very difficult um, time grasping this uh, this concept that they don't have to agree with the woman, that they don't have to think she's right. But if they can at least hear her out and and say, okay, you know, I understand you feel that way. You know, I can see from your point of view why that might upset you, that that would just go such a long way. It would really do tremendous benefit to the relationship. And I think that a woman would feel less stressed. Um, You know, the other thing that I like to tell my couples, because guys get this, they certainly, and you certainly would get this, you know, understand sports Mm -hmm. and the idea of working as a team. And if you think about your relationship as a team, that you're a partner and that really the marriage does better if you work together, they seem to get that a little bit Mm. more. So, um, You know, I I think that a lot of times men have some difficulty understanding some concepts because they seem too emotional. Mm -hmm. But if we put it as I just did it in more practical terms, uh, it's a little bit easier for them. Yeah. Um, I was just going to add add to that that um, I think a lot of times uh, men in particular will see a relationship as adversarial. Um, and so I think it's important to stress that you're not only are you on a team, you're on the same team. Yeah. Like they're like, you want them to succeed cause it'll, you'll both succeed. You're both winning at that point. So yes, yes. And, and I want to try to be fair here. Part of the reason that it's seen as adversarial is, and this goes back to a podcast we did God knows how long ago, but men truly truly, and we know this from research also, are more sensitive than women are. And so it would behoove a woman to present her complaints in a way that are not attacking. She can still make her point, um, and it's an easy enough thing to do, which is to say, you may not have realized this, or I'm sure you didn't do this intentionally, and then just factually say what's bothering her. But again, to me, this is teamwork. Mm-hmm. So if a, if, a, if I'm going to say to a guy, listen, if you can be more understanding of your wife or if you can help her out, at the end of the day, it's really helping you. 
I'm going to say to a woman, you know, if you would present your upset in a little bit of a less attacking way, at the end of the day, that's really helping you. And I would add, don't make that recommendation in the heat of an argument. Make no, it in a, no. right. <laughs> when you have cool, cool heads. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I will tell you, I'll, I'm going to beat you to the punch when you say what, what other uh, que- thoughts Perfect. do you have. A couple of things. Number one. Uh, I want to remind listeners, and for those who have listened before, this is not going to be a new statement to you, that this is a correlation, meaning that they this they found that when when the people in this study uh, had more stress, they had more dementia. The women, right. but that does not mean it's what caused it. For all we know, it's an outside variable, a third variable. Okay, so that's an important thing to remember. I don't want the women turning to the husbands and saying, oh, you see, you're stressing me out. I'm going to have Alzheimer's. <laughs> um, it's because of you that I'm going to get sick. The other thing is, though this was a very um, good study as far as the numbers, it was, I believe, done in a, was it Baltimore, Steve? In a small... It was, uh, uh, I don't remember the location, but I do remember it was like... 60% women, 40% men, like 80% Caucasian, like the, the demographics weren't yeah. that widespread. Right. And it started so, in 82 and I think went to early 2000s, I believe. Yeah. So, you know, as I was reading the study, what thoughts popped into my mind were, I don't know if the same would be true for um, minority groups. I don't know, both financially and racially, I don't know if they would get the same results if it was not done in a metropolitan area, because those types of groups are going to have different kinds of stressors. Also, same-sex couples. I think that'd be fascinating. Yes, absolutely. So I think these are interesting findings, but I think we have to be very aware uh, that they may be limited yeah. uh, to the particular group that they that they looked at. That's a really great point. Um, I'm going to ask one final question, though. Sure. Um, as, you know, so there is a correlation, um, not causation. However, mm-hmm. uh, stress just in general is not a great thing for most of us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, do you have any? Uh, we, you know, I just asked about men what they can do to help women, but in, just in general, do you have any stress relieving tips for people to? I mean, particularly like these days, it might not. Oh, be I have lots of stress reduction <laughs> techniques. Okay. Um, you know, the most important. Okay, so again, if we work from the concept that you cannot control anything other than your reaction. Okay. Um, and what happens with stress is if you think of like, um, a, uh, spring and you tighten it and tighten it and tighten it, eventually it just gets so tight that it bursts. Um, and whether that burst comes out as lashing out or shutting down or escaping vis-a-vis drugs or alcohol or whatever, those are all still ways that you're responding to too much stress. Mm-hmm. So the trick is to try to deal with the stress before it builds up. 
And as I mentioned before, stress is cumulative. So it's like a seesaw, you know, if you lay or the straw that breaks the camel's back too much, too much, too much, too much. And then it just it's it's just gets overwhelming. Mm -hmm. The best thing for people to do is to start to be aware of their bodies and to know when they're starting to feel tension. And when I'm working with clients, I'll often say to them, how do you know when you have to go to the bathroom? Now, that sounds like a silly question, but how do you know? You know because you feel it. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're a kid who's just being trained to potty and you're not really sensitive to your body enough and you're in the sandbox and you're having a good time, you don't pay attention to your signals and what happens? You have an accident. Well, what happens to us is if we don't pay attention to our body signals that we're getting tense and tight, then we blow. A lot of clients that I've worked with who ha- who tell me that they have anger control problems, no, they don't. They haven't been picking up their signals. Hmm. And when they learn to be aware of their body, then they can respond and do something to relax before they blow. So this is a really lengthy answer to your question, but no, I think it's great. important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I tell people to start helping them become aware of their body three times a day. doesn't matter if you're driving, if you're chatting on the phone, if you're watching TV. Just say, what is my body feeling? Because your body's your barometer. Mm-hmm. Your body lets you know how you're feeling. Start to be aware of your body. And then you'll start to notice if you feel tension in your stomach, in your chest, in your head. And so once you start to notice your signals, when you feel them, do something about them. Mm -hmm. Relax them. Do some deep breathing. Um, Or let's say tighten your muscles and then, you know, relax or whatever. The quicker you can pick up that you're feeling tense, the more opportunity you have to respond to it and relax so you don't get tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter. And there's breathing and there's muscle relaxation and there's meditation and there's visualizations. There's talking on the phone to a friend. There's there's free, there's free association writing. There's a slew of different tools to help you release tension. Yeah. But you can't do any of them if you don't know that you're tense. So let me, can I add, I'm going to ask a question about this because Mm -hmm. for me, um, all those things that you mentioned are fantastic. For me, the one that I love to dip into the most is exercise. Mm -hmm. As a way to reduce stress. Great. And because I know it's such a stress reliever for me, um, Mm -hmm. and I also enjoy it, uh, I've baked it into my day. So does it matter if I recognize, if, like if I'm not a person that's in tune with my emotional state, but I do this stress relieving activity, do I still get those benefits or do I have to be mindful of it to receive those benefits? Well, I think certainly if you're exercise, if one is exercising on a regular benefit, uh, on a regular basis, it is relieving, you know, the, the tension in your body. Um, but I think that in general, the more mindful we are of who we are and what, what's going on with us, the, the even greater benefit that we have. It's because, a good question. Because yeah. then it dips into the brain stuff that we've sure. been talking about sure. this whole episode. Mm-hmm. Yes. And there is such a relationship between the mind and the body. Right. 
Um, I'm going to do a shameless plug really quick here based on what yeah. you just said. So as you know, I co-authored a book called Life is Short, Don't Wait to Dance. Mm-hmm. And it is about a gymnastics coach uh, who grew up as a ballerina. She has zero sports experience. But one of the things that they implemented within their program um, was check-ins, daily Mm check-ins. So to your point about doing these check-ins, they would have the athletes come in and talk about how, how was their sleep? Uh, What did they eat? Was it good? Was it healthy? Um, How stressed are they feeling? How are they feeling physically? So it was going through this list that you're talking about in a very regimented way. And then the coaches would then like, uh, like build the workouts around how this person was doing for the day. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I guess my question based on all that shameless plugging is, uh, would we benefit from that same kind of a thing in our daily lives? If we did these kind of check-ins and thought like, you know what, maybe today's not the day that I tackle this. Let's see how I feel tomorrow. Um, for the things that you can put off that way, would that be an advisable tactic? Yes, absolutely. I think again, The more that you are aware about yourself, the more that you can respond to what you need. You know, there's a whole diet program that says you don't have to diet, that if you really eat when you're hungry and really ask yourself, what do I really want to eat, Mm -hmm. then your body will tell you and then you're fine. You don't, you know, you don't need to eat extra. You will know what you want to, when you want to eat, what you want to eat and how much you want to eat. What happens very often is we eat mindlessly. We're just shoving food into our mouths and many times it's emotional eating. Right. Right. So this is going far off of Alzheimer's. <laughs> right. but but this is the t- the conversation about stress, which is what I asked you about. So That's it, right. it all That's falls in line. Okay. Yes. Well, um, that, you know, this, I think we've given people plenty to chew on, um, hopefully not emotionally. Uh, <laughs> see what I did there? Yes. Uh, so <laughs> it's ridiculous. Okay. So anyways, with that terrible joke, I will wrap this up. Uh, thank you so much for your time, Karen. It is always a pleasure. Look forward thank to doing you. this again soon. Um, and with that, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. I want to remind you that you've been listening to Dr. Karen Sherman, who is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for over 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. She is the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. You can get this information at her website, drkarensherman.com. You can find it on our website, hitchedmag.com, along with the complete 500 plus podcasts archived on our website for easy access. Uh, Also, thousands of articles and, as I recommend each week, uh, a free weekly newsletter that goes out. It's the best, quickest, easiest way to stay up to date with all the information that we're putting out there each and every week. So, until next time, that's going to do it for us. Take care, everybody.
and it's about you.